street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. come to mind when yeah, I when I said something that? came to mind. So okay. something rather defensible for me that I was like, what's something I'd be willing to follow right. down a rabbit hole? Yeah. Oh before before we actually talk about that, I do like to give a test with the trail mix. Oh, okay, um, fantastic. So there's let's see, one, two, three, four, five different colors of like M and M knockoffs okay. in this bag. Um if we were to we could both guess how many of each color are in the bag, right? Okay. Um, sure. You could, if you just had to guess how many yellows are in here, how, what would you guess? Let's see. Can I, can I look at the bag? Yeah, totally. Sure. Um, let's see. If I had to guess, let's see. Maybe between like 15 and 20. 15 to 20? Maybe 15 to 20. Okay. And you I guess closer to 15. Got there just from looking at it, kind of, of course, yeah. And that, maybe I might guess, like, like 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the thing about this is, some people would say that there's, there's three options. Um, either you're right and I'm wrong, I'm right and you're wrong, or we're both wrong. Right. Um, do you think we could both be right? Um, no, I do not think no. that we could both be okay. right about this particular some, question. So, yeah, sure. some people might say like, you know, uh, what, let's say we let's say we took out the M and M's and we counted how many yellow ones there were, and you were right. There's 15 of them in there. Um, and let's say someone else came by and they said, no, there's actually 13 M and M's there. Mm-hmm. Um, would they be, would you feel comfortable in saying that they're wrong? Maybe not to their face, but. You know, if I myself did indeed count 15, uh-huh. then I would feel comfortable doing that. But okay. uh, I might feel uncomfortable ruminating as to why they came to a different conclusion later that night when I'm trying to fall asleep. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's because, very fair. Yeah, reality is certainly a shared uh, experience. Affair, experience, sure. And like. I was I was actually talking about this yesterday. One time I angered my brother. He's very not into thought experiments and hypotheticals. And I one time posed a hypothetical situation to him about being on an island and say there were two people, you know, yourself and two other people. They're both schizophrenic, but say that their hallucinations uh, directly align. And that, the, you know, mm. the, and also that their hallucinations aren't inconsistent with the way that you see reality such that they're able to, you know, reasonably go about wow. having this belief in reality and it not intersecting with the quote unquote real world in a way that they have to like confront it or confront that it might be wrong. So uh-huh. if you're in that situation and he got very frustrated with me, but <laughs> I said, then you're actually the schizophrenic and um, they're because not you're outnumbered. Because you're out, just because yeah. you're outnumbered, because right. reality is shared. So it's, it, but, and he just said, but that would never happen. <laughs> and I said, I know it's a hypothetical. Yeah. And he said, but why should we even talk well, about why, it if it's right. never going to happen? I, I was, yeah. didn't really have an answer That's a good for one. that, actually. I'm going to, I'm going to use that one because I love, I love hypotheticals. Um, it's very to the point because it's just yeah. you on an island, two other, people, two other people, you're out. They yeah. see the same dragon 
flying around in the sky or whatever, and right. that's reality. And now you're the schizophrenic because <laughs> you don't see Puff the Magic Dragon in the sky or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, just I like to give that just to see what people's uh, like conception of truth is. I guess you know sure. what I mean before we start a conversation about what they think is true. Um, but you said I something. A good belief because okay. it's kind of foundational. Uh, it's kind of a foundational. I mean, I guess it's kind of epistemic in of itself, mm -hmm. like just as far as beliefs go. Um, but yeah, the belief is just that, and I, I don't know how best to word it succinctly, but I guess I would explain it this way by... Yeah, take your time I, I'll always, anything. Sure, yeah, yeah, I'll always be very skeptical of anybody trying to talk to me about, say, the exact shape and nature of God or anything that is fundamentally outside of our realm of experience okay and that doesn't sound all that revolutionary but i'm just saying that you know for me if something is outside of my realm of this is kind of like a very fancy version of uh if i can't see it and hear it and stuff then uh it's not real but it's not mm -hmm. that it's not real it's more that you i can't just claim to know it's real yeah you can't yeah exactly so anybody anybody claiming to have knowledge about something that i see as mm. fundamentally outside of our realm of experience, well, I mean, first of all, I won't believe them. But second of all, I also won't spend, I try to, and th this is something that I think about in trying to come to terms with, there are things that I don't know and that I will never know because, mm. you know, there, and I have to put that away in a separate drawer and not stay up at night, or my goal rather is to not right. waste yeah. a lot of time worrying about that because I do see that as kind of, Sure, I could have speculation that I feel relatively good about, but I, I'll always sort of be questioning that belief system that I've built. Because of things you don't know and maybe well, just unknowable it, things. It is trying, you know, that speculation I'm referring to, say that speculation is the nature of God. Like mm -hmm. I used to be Christian when I was younger. I was raised Christian. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that belief system speaks to, in my opinion things that are fundamentally outside of my realm of experience and okay. therefore i will always be mistrustful of them I'll always be skeptical or rather there's this pitfall that i could always fall into doubt um but yeah and so i just try not to i think about this because i am a very curious person and it drives me crazy that there are questions that are functionally unanswerable right okay and so so this is to quiet my mind with those things and say you know, am I dwelling on something that I'll just never know? So, um, wh what you brought up at first was, uh, that you, you don't claim to know, but it's not only that you don't claim to know things that are outside of, what did you say, your realm? I would say realm of experience. Realm sure. of experience. Okay. And I would also, I would actually qualify that as uh -huh. realm of possible experience. Hmm. So in other words, in life, like it's not in my realm of possible experience to, you know, say, witness God or, or witness heaven or anything like that. Okay. For, for me, he had, like, you know, just taking the Christian example, because this is where this really sprung from, you know, right. God hasn't spoken to me directly, but like maybe theoretically I would die and find out then. But you're saying it's outside of the realm of possible experience for God to speak to you. Or, I mean, yeah, I guess that, yeah, it's funny, because I guess I can't, I, I, and I wouldn't rule that out. I wouldn't okay. rule that out. But it, it's more of a thing of, if that hasn't happened yet, I'm not going to bank on that happening one day. Like, it's just something that's, until until God does speak to me, that is in the drawer. You're using, you're using uh, 
all of your past experience of God never speaking to you as evidence for the fact that he won't, maybe. Well, predictive, no. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to be prescriptive with, with you know, God not speaking to me. It's, it's purely, I'm a very descriptive guy. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just that he hasn't. And so mm-hmm. until that, you know, basically cross that bridge when I get there. But for now, that, you know, matters to do with religion and things like that and the afterlife. Okay. Things as I things that have been outside of my realm of experience, that's just in this particular drawer. And should you know, I'm if should God talk to me, then it's out of the drawer. And now, it it still can function within that little belief oh. of mine. But you know, again, until so it's not. But it's not prescriptive. It's not. I'm not banking on the fact that he's not going to talk to me. But right. I'm also not banking on the fact that, that he will. That he will. It's yeah. just that that is an unknowable question until you know literally something like divine intervention changes it yeah so yeah i'm that maybe might have answered the question that i'm about to ask but uh so what what is an example of something that falls outside of your realm of possible experiences um something that falls outside of my realm of possible experiences for instance for me is like being able to contextualize life and that's why I reference something like religion, because religion helps to contextualize life and answer these questions that I see as kind of functionally unanswerable. So I will, f- that's really the, you know, I refer to separate things in the drawer. It's really just one thing in the drawer. It's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is life? And right. I have no idea what the answer is to that. It's a big one. And it drives me crazy. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you're just walking, I'm walking around on this beautiful day thinking, what is all of this? I have no idea. I wish that I had answers to those questions. Uh-huh. I wish that I could look to God or look somewhere else, even to science, whatever. But, you know, that it drives me crazy. So this is something that helps me, you know, quiet that confusion and curiosity. Okay. Burning curiosity about, what you is know, life? the context of life. Because my, my nature is always to back up. I see things clearly from a bird's eye view mm. and things get very muddled for me when you get into messy details. Right. I'm always wanting to take steps back and I cannot, you know, you can only do, I can only abstract to a certain point and then I hit this wall of what I see it's it's almost like to visually that's like beyond the realm of my experience is like right. the wall that I'm hitting yeah and I can speculate as much as I want but that but is, you're trapped in a certain sense yeah and right yourself yeah. and also we're kind of putting a finite because it's been this used to be very important to me and something I thought about much more regularly mm-hmm. but um yeah I wish that uh I was wording it better but it's it's also that we were trying to uh, define it, but I see this as being kind of undefinable. Okay. You know, like I think that is what that is its definition is that it is stuff that we cannot know. What is so, undefinable? Well, this is this is what I mean is that like while we were talking about a specific example of God talking to me, will he or will he, will he not? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if if he ended up talking to me, then that is something that uh, would become part of your experience. Definable. Yeah. Okay. But. And then, but for me, it's just, you know, it's, it's however, it's whatever point beyond, you know, it's just, it definitely is stuff that's unexplainable. And I guess what I try to do is to correctly identify as best I can things that might be unexplainable Mm. so I don't spend my time uh, spinning my wheels about it. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfectly uh, reasonable. I'm, I'm curious what is it you think about you spend a lot of time thinking about what is maybe 
unexplainable so that you aren't wasting your time thinking about it or you're not spending you're not going crazy thinking about it um what what are the characteristics of something unexplainable well no i mean i think that i and this is the point that i'm making very poorly is that like that that is its only uh uh attribute or is that it, sorry it's only attribute rather is that it is something you know i would define something une- that's unexplainable as something of which i can have no knowledge about maybe something uh unfalsifiable unfalsifiable no i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't use that it's, it's something that is definitionally out i think the the real definition and then like what the individual words in the definition mean have big implications but it's really that outside of the realm of potential experience because i see uh you know my conscious experience being endemic to life and being alive and then for instance i see death because this is another thing i have a fear you know not being religious not having a context for life mm. very afraid of death at times because okay. they have no way of explaining it so this is me trying to remind myself you that that's what death is definitionally right. something that you cannot explain it's something yeah. that i cannot think about like that's that's its only definition mm. is that it is something beyond my consciousness beyond my conscious experience right so i mean there there maybe are things about death that we do know about or can't there explain is one, there, through maybe observation of what of people dying maybe the fact that all of our brain functions seem to stop mm-hmm. um we no longer breathe we decompose sure. all of these sorts of things your conscious experience ends for for is is what that would seem to imply yeah based it, on our current understanding of the things that compose <laughs> consciousness being mm-hmm. cognitive co- hardware. In other words, yeah. my, my, you know, I am not somebody who believes that I have any kind of immaterial soul. S- no, no, because, and I mean, and that's not like, you know, I don't see that as a pessimistic or sad thing. I just, you know, sometimes I am unfortunately pragmatic, <laughs> but for me, you know, my, my thinking right now, while it is intangible to me, does have a physical representation and while we're not there yet in our understanding mm. of in, in the field of cognitive science or in neuroscience, yeah. just because we can't grasp it doesn't mean that there isn't a physical manifestation of the thoughts that I'm thinking right now. Right. And we're getting closer, we're getting closer. So, you know, I do feel quite confident in, in that when this hardware, this cognitive hardware that I have up here decomposes, stops fire, the neurons stop firing, Mm -hmm. I do feel quite confident that my conscious experience will end, Mm -hmm. which then implies to me only one fact that I can know about death, and that is that it will probably be very similar to my experience before I was born. Yeah. And that is the only thing that I can know about death. Okay. And I don't know how I feel about that because there was no pain before i was born there was you know it wasn't boring i wasn't like sitting around for an eternity being like this sucks right i wish there was more to do you know so it it's neither negative nor positive but yeah. it's a true neutral that you know still is kind of scary to confront yeah still terrifying still very for me terrifying. as well yeah, yeah absolutely. um okay so earlier you're saying that i mean bef- before we talked about how consciousness might and maybe probably maybe probably is related to the brain or rooted in, in sure. the brain. Um, you said that there's something that death is one of those things that is unexplainable. Um, but maybe 
what we just talked about is the one, maybe the one thing that you probably know about death. Mm-hmm. What is it about death that you don't know that is unexplainable? Maybe that that terrifies you. I mean, I the possibility honestly of an afterlife. I, yeah. Okay. Yes. I think that if I was alone on the island without, you know, sans the two uh, schizophrenics or whatever in the thought experiment, I, if I was alone on an island and I was just by myself and just kind of, you know, I, if I had the same way of thinking that I do now, I think I would be a lot less scared of death. And I think it's just what really freaks me out is all the opinions that people have about it Mm -hmm. because to me i think if i was living on an island without anybody else i mean first of all i'd go crazy but if i didn't um to me it would be very a very natural very intuitive idea that there wouldn't be anything uh you know beyond death and I'm just kind of surprised that that's not how everybody feels, you know? And I just, I don't think it's like a sad thing or, but we have our conscious experience There's a brief window. I wasn't having this conscious experience before I was born. So why do I think that there would be any kind of conscious experience after I'm born? Right. That's the disconnect for me. But many, many people seem quite convinced that there's more to it than that. And that kind of freaks me out because... (laughs) You know, I, that's not how my mind works, and that doesn't make sense to me, and we're afraid of the things that we don't understand. Okay. So a death that isn't just the absence of a conscious experience scares me because that I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to my inability to contextualize life because it's very possible that there is something beyond death because I can't contextualize life. So I don't know what context within which I'm having this conscious experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it my death, I mean, I would be not surprised. I would like to think I wouldn't be surprised if I like woke up and a buddy was next to me and was like, how was that DMT trip? Or you know what I mean? Like, I, or, or maybe not, you know, that's our... You ever done it? No, that's our metaphor. I'm scared too. Yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah, that's that seems a bridge too far. Yeah. I because I have I have done uh, you know similar things, but not quite that. But yeah. you know maybe not DMT or not a buddy next to me on the couch. Maybe it's like two spirits floating in you know the ether. I like the ether. Right. I don't know what it would look like, but I again I wouldn't be surprised if this was just some sort of like I think trivial experience for some eternal being. Like I I couldn't because I can't contextualize life. I can't rule that out. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing is something that I feel I've had a similar experience with in the sense that like in, I was, I was raised more or less secular. I had Mm -hmm. some family who was religious, but it, it's, it did at that time seem intuitive to me that there was no afterlife. You know, Mm -hmm. it, I, I didn't have any knowledge about how a consciousness is, tied to a mind which is tied to different functions in the brain and all this kind of stuff it just seemed like that's what happens like Mm -hmm. i wasn't i didn't experience anything before i was born i was about to say you're pretty fresh off that yeah i mean you're pretty fresh off not the absence of all experience so like yeah i mean it it it, it does seem intuitive that that's kind of you know it would be similar the older the older i've gotten um i think ideas like uh reincarnation have become not very um not very sound to me but, but maybe appealing. intuitive okay you intuitive, know in, in sure. the sense that i've been experiencing uh for longer than i have when i was 6 and uh experience descriptions of experiences that uh entail that you are a reincarnated soul seem to 
resonate with me, like uh, meeting someone and feeling like you've known them for a long time or sure. something like this. I have um, a pessimistic view on those kinds of feelings, but I mean, I do, I do. There is a similar allure for me as well. It is. I describe it mainly as an allure. Sure. Um, but yeah, so really interested in the, in the claim you were making, which is that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. So that there are, it's basically that there are certain things that are unknowable. Sure. Yeah. Is that it? Yes. Okay. I was trying to make it succinct. Um, how, how confident are you, I'll say on a scale from zero to a hundred that that is the case? 100, because it's not just that, uh, that's the claim I'm making. That is actually kind of the premise on which I have been making claims. So it's not so much like, you know, how valid do I think that is? Well, pretty, pretty foundational as it turns out, because that's kind of, I don't investigate that much. Like that's something to me that, and that, that, that's like a kind of faith belief in that. That's something I presume. Mm. Um, and you know, this, this gets into the whole thing of like, whether you're religious or not, you're like, faith has nothing to do with religion. Like, I mean, it does in so far as religion utilizes faith, but faith is foundational to the human condition in a way that is separate from religion. Or you could also argue that... How? how? In, in the sense well, that we, if we claim to know, know anything, we're no, making well, some sort I, of... No, well, I could put it this way. Like, maybe, you know, do you, do you assume that there might be trees behind you? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that's faith, because until you actually turn around, you know, uh, and see that for yourself... Uh, there is, you know, it's a question of like verification. So it's there, there, we're constantly in a, this is my point is that we're constantly in a state of Bef- being, before we, before we go there, sure. could you give a definition for faith? For faith? Faith is, uh, and I guess, yeah, yeah. What I was going into was hinting at a definition. I don't know how quite I would word it, but it's just the idea of like, you know, um, presuming or, you know, not, not actively interrogating um the very unstable nature of what we call reality <laughs> because th- basically you know like people say that they're skeptics uh in a philosophical sense or will do thought exercises about why free will doesn't exist yeah. but at the same time these people aren't paralyzed to act they they That's make true. decisions every day yeah. and so this is why they're actually kind of discounted by some some very practical practically practically free will exists even though they may be a determinist right on a philosophical I, yeah level. it's just more of a matter of like you know what what is the nature of free will it's not mm-hmm. whether you know some so i would always be skeptical of the skeptic saying free will doesn't exist because it's like you know at the end of the day in a in a functional sense they're still making decisions in a sense uh or or in in the way of when people say free will that's what they're referring to is that person who's saying free will doesn't exist getting up every day and making you know all kinds of decisions throughout the day or it's that, just, that's it, a faith that's a faith-based action I think that it's a, I, I think that we, uh, I think that we're engaged with faith more so than we are not. In other mm. words, it would take a lot of mental energy for you to question whether or not, without turning around, the trees are there, uh, in that, not that specifically, but if that was, if that were your approach to everything that was not immediately verifiable to you, you would stay sitting right here until you withered away. And I really do believe that. So I think that it's something that we must engage with 
in so, order to we have we basically have to make these presumptions all the time. What I'm getting is that faith to you is something that um, it's what we assume is real without direct uh, confrontation with our senses. So if, yeah, if yeah, I am being it, an empiricist, kind of, and like being like, this is the source of you know, I, I've kind of that's not, been if another we're not hearing implicit, it or seeing it or experiencing well, it. Well, I would in put it this way. way, I guess, and uh, you know, maybe for me, it is based on perception, and because that's the way I'm terming reality or the our source of reality, our credible source of reality. But whatever your credible source of reality is, the idea being that you can't engage with that and verify, actively put everything, say that you have a standard, my standard is perception, your standard could be whatever you'd like it to be, Mm -hmm. but you can't actively be testing the trees, everything behind you against that standard, you know, anything that you're not... yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm so different. Different people have different standards of what of truth. Of truth, um, and we can't sub- we can't constantly be subjecting everything around us yeah. to these standards of truth and, and sort of continually verifying them. Different standards of truth and and knowledge mm-hmm. and knowledge. I think it, this isn't a you know epistemic kind of concern just as much as it is, you know, a concern about uh, truth. I think. Okay. It's yeah. It's how how we know things. <laughs> um, wow. So, w- would you? Sorry, this like no, that's all right. Stops at certain times. Um, this is an interesting conversation. I'll try not to keep you for too long. No, that's uh, all right. I have a couple more questions. From what you just said, is that um, do you make a distinction between? Well, I'll put it like this. So, there's maybe absolute knowledge, things like. Uh, like logical absolutes like the law of identity like something is what it is or um i am i am experiencing something exactly something yeah. like that um but so does anything outside of that of those t- of those sorts of things those knowledge claims that we come to on a basis of evidence maybe evidence such as I've been here many times before and looked at the trees behind me Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. this, everything that I see in front of me is trees. Maybe that's some evidence to suggest that they're the things behind me are trees. Mm -hmm. This, this whole building of, of knowledge and experiences and past experiences and, and all these sorts of things that let me, that make me feel comfortable in saying that I know that there's trees behind Mm -hmm. me you you still you see that as faith just as much as you see a belief in the tooth fairy as faith yeah absolutely okay i do because i think it's it's about what those things do functionally for the person and while it might be hard for me to see the way in which uh you know a belief in the tooth fairy is advantageous especially as compared to a belief in the trees behind you which is very advantageous to not be questioning that Mm -hmm. um it might be unclear to me, but to those people, it seems quite queer, clear. So, uh, not to be punny or whatever, but like I'll take their word for it. Of you know, faith that that's useful to them. But I, but no, I, I mean, I just I don't really distinguish between them because um, I still think that just functionally the same sort of process is going where there's some kind of uh, presumption, some kind of premise that's being assumed mm-hmm. 
or some kind of suspension okay. of some kind of investigative or interrogative process. Wow. So it's more about the suspension of an interrogative process, which is so natural. Also known as like a leap of faith. A leap of faith. Yeah. And while it's, and, and so this is my point, and I'm very semantical. Like I'm very, very semantical. Mm. And this is a very semantical point Idea. to be yeah. insisting that there's no distinction between the kind of faith in a tooth fairy and the kind of faith that you have right now in the trees behind you. I mean, I'm sure that there is, but the point I'm trying to make is that f- this process of suspending our interrogation, while it comes very naturally to us, we should still identify it as such, as a process of suspending. You are right now suspending your interrogation of many things, of the idea, like you're not worrying about whether or not there are legs attached to me under this table. You're suspending, <laughs> you're, you're suspending those things so that you can focus on this conversation so it's a matter of necessity Mm -hmm. in the way that we as humans function which is why in the sort of getting into this idea i talked about faith as being endemic or inseparable to the human condition uh rather than say being inseparable from uh only religion that's far too specific it's a very very broad tool in our toolbox as humans in our toolbox of consciousness and how our consciousness works would you would you say that maybe um, there's a a spectrum for how much we suspend our level of interrogation on a certain claim? So, for yeah. example, I mean, there was all that stuff that I mentioned before. Also, I have like a front-facing camera right here that's showing me trees behind me. Right. It could be that. Uh, well, yeah, and you're not well. And instead of interrogating like the lack of the vision of the trees behind you, you're not interrogating the image that you're seeing in in the camera. Like what you know, whatever it is, you're still making some presumption here that like. I'm yeah. I'm making I'm making a presumption that mm-hmm. this is accurately reflecting the uh, what's right. behind me and stuff like that. But I think on some level, I trust this just about as much as I trust my own eyes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the fact that this camera is recording everything that's happening behind me and my I, point is that trust it is doesn't it doesn't waver it doesn't waver too much from but what i'm what I'm, i guess what i'm getting at is that or my question because mm-hmm. i should be mm-hmm. asking questions um do, do you trust your senses on some level well i think it goes back to for me i am very very interested in uh you know, again, descriptive as opposed to prescriptive. Like I see all too often people, cause I'm interested in philosophy and there's a lot of people interested in philosophy. And a lot mm-hmm. of those people are very interested in prescriptive knowledge and yeah. things like that. So I don't, I don't really uh, see it that, that way. And, um, wait, sorry, what was the question again? I the question know. was just that, and this, Oh, can I trust my senses? Yeah. Because what, what I'm saying is that, uh, okay. You mentioned I'm, suspending some sort of interrogation when I think about you having legs under this table. I did see you walk up to the table, but you could, your legs could have been, your legs could have vanished at this point, but I'm just assuming, I'm assuming that they're there. Right. Um, what I'm saying is that, uh, me using my past, the, my knowledge of past events or Mm -hmm. my memory rather Mm -hmm. to assume that you have legs under there. It's it's just a one degree less reliable as me actually seeing your legs. And so the pro- and the problem and even me right. seeing your legs isn't for me a hundred percent absolute so my, verification. And so yeah, right. And exact yeah, I agree with that. So I mean I don't I don't see perception as being a credible source of an objective reality. Credible in the sense that it's absolute. 
Uh, well, in the sense that our, you know, conception of, of some absolute reality external to the self, which I would also argue is outside of our realm of sort of verifiable experience. But uh, so, I mean, I don't see it as should I trust my senses? I see it more as do I want to continue living life? You know, do I want to get up from this table and go on my walk and not worry about whether or not the path is real in front of me and well yeah i do want to do that so i don't see it so again i see these thought these questions veering and i can't quite put my finger on how but i do see it as veering more towards a prescriptive conversation about like maybe how things ought to be or how reality Mm. ought to be or how truth ought to be thought about and i don't know anything about any of that i wish i did i really do but what i do know is that like uh, as a matter of you know functionality I have to suspend whatever kind of interrogation that I could very aptly subject my perceptions to. Mm. Because, you know, I'm sure you are aware, just as I am, that people do interrogate the validity of one's senses. And, I mean, I was very into that when I was younger. I do not at all trust, on a theoretical level, Mm. my ability to give authority, give some kind of absolute authority to my perceptions. I, I certainly don't. Um, this could all be a fever dream and a halluc- a very vivid hallucination right. that in the fever dream I'm not aware is even possible, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like we yeah. could go off endlessly with there are all kinds of fun mm. uh, thought experiments. And so again, on a theoretical, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, but but on so on a theoretical level, I very uh, mistrusting of nearly everything. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's very bleak mm. uh, in the theoretical realm for me, which is why I've kind of quite early on fled over from prescriptive things to descriptive things. And then now I feel a little bit better about just saying, well, you know, I don't quite know why, uh, or I I don't know if I should be able to. Uh, in a logical sense, trust my perceptions, but I'm certainly going to today. You know, I'm doing okay. it right now. I will continue doing it for the rest of the day. I imagine that I will for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I see it as a matter of necessity and so I like, and I'm comfortable in that realm because then I see this other realm as that's not viewing things in that way as getting more and more into the drawer that I have in my mind of things that I just can't answer, unanswerable yeah. questions. Might, so this is might produce some cognitive dissonance in a person if they claim to know things that are essentially unknowable. I um, think it does, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of people with that cognitive dissonance, and uh, I think that there's benefits you can get from that. I mean, personally, I wish that I wasn't so uh, skeptical and I wish that I I believed in the Christian God that I was raised on. It would be mm. awesome if I thought that so I was... So this is a, a, a mainly a source of suffering for you. Absolutely. Okay. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So you, uh, you're 100% confident that there are unknowable things. That mm-hmm. is a, a foundational part of how you... View just life. I view life as that. There, that's, that's everything. And yeah. then there's this tiny little window that's not that. Okay. But most everything is in that unknowable category for me. So that's that's how you operate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my question, I guess, is what what could be true? What would take you from a hundred? what would lower your confidence in that in a sense so like uh what could you find out if god spoke to me (laughs) if god spoke to you yeah divine i and and to you know that's anecdotal but theoretically divine 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 intervention of some kind i mean i think that there are certain tenets of 
uh, my, or I do because have conception. As a matter of necessity, I do have ideas about what reality looks like, what reality is, the, basically the nature of reality on a functional level. If something fundamentally challenged everything I think that I know about reality, you know, if I was just whoom, like taken up into the sky right now and, and like this voice was speaking in my head and I was waiting to wake up from yeah. my DMT trip. Oh, I finally did it. Or I guess right. I didn't even know, but, and you know, I'd be waiting and it never comes. Well then maybe through that experience, uh, I would certainly be willing to come way down from 100 okay. and if there was someone out there who's omniscient then i would think okay well then it's you know the possibility that there are unknowable things is zero because there's somebody who knows it all but so it would take an extraordinary experience to change your confidence that that nothing unknowable. is unknowable because because if you found out that an omniscient god exists is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, okay. that, that's the word that I was using. Yeah, omniscient, um, omnipotent, but in in other words, all knowing. Like yeah. if there was an all knowing being that revealed itself to me, omnipotent somehow is, proved, is maybe the only word you have to use. Sure, to be all powerful, maybe. All, yeah, you have to absolutely. be all knowing. But so if that, yeah, if so that, that, that that is thing the only existed, thing that could then, convince you that well, something like that. that. Those are the terms I put it in because, I mean, again, it's kind of a tough position to put me in to prove, to, to give an example of, of what could change yeah. my, my opinion because I do feel so strongly about it. My number is currently sitting at 100. 100 right. So it is hard to imagine what that would be. And I would give it the terming of something like divine intervention. And I say something like because maybe, you know, I'm, I'm giving curious, the, does it Does it have mm -hmm. to be an experience that involves an um, a being that knows everything? Or could it be waking up from a DMT trip that would, that would uh, yeah. lower your confidence? Yeah, I think that's a great example of something else that would shake up my confidence. So I guess what would really be the through line there is something that, you know, fundamentally how would How would challenges. waking up from a DMT trip lower your confidence that there are unknowable things or well no maybe not dmt trip but more the example of like some kind of alien scenario of uh -huh. like it's not dmt it's like the you know all it, it, it's like this being that we would consider almost godlike in comparison to us okay. it would be like their equivalent of a dmt trip would be the you know you like take some tab and then you experience the lifetime of will conan which is me and then you wake up and it was like oh man did you like how was will conan was it good and they're like yeah it was crazy dude but like it's just one little blip in that uh you know much higher beings existence it's a trivial kind of experience living my lifetime because maybe you know in this metaphor, their lifetime is a hundred thousand years eternal okay. or a hundred thousand years sure even a yeah. hundred thousand years would certainly dilute my lifetime so I, it could be many things uh it wouldn't be waking up it wouldn't necessarily be waking up from a dmt trip that would just change my conceptions of what i think a dmt trip could be okay <laughs> you know that would that would evolve my conception of what i think a dmt trip could be but yeah. it wouldn't change my fundamental idea that there are unknowable things that i think that number would still be 100 if i woke up from a dmt trip now if i woke up from a will conan trip as some alien being you know maybe yeah i would i would that number would come down why that number would come down or I guess, yeah, I can't even say that. I would have to evaluate that when I woke up. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, it would probably change like a bunch of things. Yeah. I'm sure it, it would change whole, many things. Everything would change. I'm just imagining that if I, if I woke up from either a DMT trip or the more extraordinary example of waking up mm -hmm. in some alien society where you're, uh, 
something we would Immortal. consider godlike, but yeah. you know, some kind of eternal being. I think say the only from what I'm gathering, you your ideas about unknowable things are. I think the only the only thing that would sway me is if I encountered a being that knew everything and they could somehow convince me of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that that's why your first example of the god of the god thing made sense to me, but. Yeah, maybe that's the only thing. I guess is that, that is. So, yeah, I was trying to make it uh, more broad, but I guess it really is as narrow as something that we would call divine, some kind of divine intervention, because I think you're correct in sort of pointing out that in my worldview that I'm establishing, it really would take something that is all-knowing and, you know, kind of two components. Like, they've got to be all-knowing and they've got to be able to somehow... Uh, Express that to you. Yeah, confer yeah. that reality to me mm-hmm. and um i yeah maybe that would be the only thing that would convince me you know otherwise i would still you say i'm confronted with the alien that's you know the from the dmt trip kind of a pair of examples you know and they're they're what i would consider godlike but not godlike in the sense that they're omnipotent fully omnipotent mm. then maybe they wouldn't meet that standard that we just established yeah. and they, i would actually say well you know a lot but i still don't think you know everything mm. and i mm-hmm. still think that there are things that are un- unknowable okay hey man i think i understand your position well enough uh that was a great conversation that was thank, i enjoyed thank it thank you for coming I over here it. it's and not yeah giving me some of that i think uh if, if you're okay with it, I'm definitely going to post this one. Sure. No, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not every day I'm doing sort of my favorite hike and somebody's like, do you want to talk about epistemology? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a dream come true. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization. 